in knowing that, knowing, I guess, the influence that we have around us. And here in the church, we have over the years spoken on identity many times, and I often sprinkle it in the different messages. But I, I really, I really appreciated, I guess, the feedback from people in relation to Mark's Mark's words. So I think it'd be a good thing for us to continue on that thought of identity. For some of us, it might be something you've heard before. For some of you, it might be brand new. For some of you, it might be forgotten. But identity is a really, really important issue. You know, I have read again recently through social media and news posts, but it keeps coming up that one of the one of the dilemmas in society today is that of identity, that young people don't know who they are. They don't know who they belong to. They don't know where their value comes from. You know, there's an uproar at the moment, because for, for those of you that are aware of social media, um, with one of the social media things, apps, what is it, Instagram? You know, you post your picture or something and people like it, yeah? There are young people out there that'll have three or four accounts so that they can post a picture, share it with their other accounts so their friend list can see it, all in the hope that they get likes. And the more likes you have, the more value you have, because you, you use it as a weapon with your friends. Oh, did you get 50 likes? I got 1,000. You know, like now, Instagram have decided they're removing that um, feature. So you can still post your pictures, but you can't like it. You can't see who's liked it. Yeah, so Samuel's devastated because he's got one picture where he had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of likes. He doesn't know who from, but now that picture doesn't show all the likes. So legitimately, you've got people around Australia, because we're the trial case, that are freaking out because they can't see who's liked their picture because everything comes down to identity and where they find their value. And it's really important for us as a church, as Christ's children, to know know our identity who we really are is that okay so let's pray and then we're going to go go from there uh, father uh, actually while i'm praying i need water because i'm just one of those people we pray that you would speak to us really clearly today lord god that the words that i share would be words of life that would give life father that would lead us lord i guess on a path where we can see ourselves as you see us that we would understand that we're created in your image, that we would understand that with every passing moment of every passing day, uh, we are transformed into the image of your son, Jesus, with ever-increasing likeness, ever-increasing glory. So, Lord God, may this be a truth for us that we can share with those around us, that those around us might discover you through us. And so we bless you, we bless you, we bless you. And everybody said, Amen. Cool. I've written here and I've, I often in my notes I bold particular parts or underline so that I know it's more important for me to emphasise something. And I've got a section here that I've, un, that I've put an, a line under and it's this. It's important to know your true identity because how you and I see ourselves will determine how we behave. Yeah. How you and I see ourselves will determine how we behave. And... I guess with different conversations with people that work in juvenile centres, etc., some of the people that they deal with misbehave consistently and constantly because that's how they see themselves. 
That's what they've been told. That's what's been spoken over them. So for them to cause trouble, it's just who they are, yeah? It's, I just do, that's, that's who I am. I'm just going to do that. I'm going to live life this way. I've been told that. And without even uttering the words, it's, it's deeply rooted in, in their subconscious. And that happens with us with life. If we don't understand who we are in Christ, we will never actually fully live out yeah, who we are. So... All the enemy wants to do, I believe, is confuse us in relation to our identity. You know, I, I do think that. I do believe we have an enemy. I do believe he's a spiritual enemy. Yeah? I do believe that he uses uh, physical things like friends and family and people and workplaces. Yeah? But I believe that he's out there to rob us of our identity as sons and daughters of God, as children of the Most High. Because when we don't know who we are, when we don't realise that we're actually children of God so we're not just talking about creation he created us and that's nice and now we just live life doing whatever we want we've actually been created in his image adopted into his family so all that he has is ours that makes up who we are it, it, it it's where our value comes from so if we miss that we're the children of God if we don't fully understand the ramifications of those three words, children of God, if we don't fully grab hold of that, then we're going to miss how strong and powerful Father is in us and through us. Yeah. If you don't understand that you're children of God, you will never allow the power of God to work through you because you don't understand that it can. You don't understand that he wants to. And as children of God, Mark said last week, we should be so dynamic in how we look and live and speak and feel and deal and love, that it has an effect on those around us. You know, he shared that beautiful story of when he and Kaz were doing that course in the city and the lecturer came up to them and said, I've never had a class like this that was so united. I believe it's because of you two. Yeah, that's the effect we have when we're actually walking in our true identity as children of God. So until we can actually settle within ourselves the issue of, of identity, the, the who we are because of whose we are, then our behaviour and what we do is never going to line up with who God created us to be. And then we're just going to be the same old, same old. We're going to meet other Christians who are the, just the same as everybody else, no different. Because though we know we're children of God, we don't fully grasp what that means. And that's why I think it's really important that we remind ourselves, yeah? Because who we are in Jesus is tied up in knowing who we are. If you don't know who you are in Jesus, if you don't realise that, then you can never know who you, who, who you are and you're just going to struggle through life with issues. But I've written here that, that the issue around identity is so important that the first place Satan attacked Jesus was his identity. The first place that Satan attacked Jesus was his identity. So go with me here. We baptise. Yeah, we baptise in this church. For those that don't know, we've got a lovely baptismal under here. Don't look at the dust. You can't see it. We've got this beautiful baptismal that takes about two hours to fill. But Because um, we believe in baptising people. We believe in drawing a line in the sand and saying, I'm never going to go back there. I'm making a statement now that I'm a believer in Jesus. I'm making a statement now that I'm a son of God. Often what happens is people can teach that baptism is, a way the, is about the washing away of your sin. 
because it can represent that. Yeah? But I think the true meaning of baptism gets lost when we're looking at, a, at washing away of sin because I'll explain it like this. Our baptism in Jesus' baptism is all about accepting yeah, and also heralding or declaring our true identity. This is what baptism is for. That's why Jesus was baptised. So Matthew 3, verses 11 to 17, it reads, I baptise you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with, with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized. I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. So the first thing we see here, right at the beginning, is that John says, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. So we've got to get this issue of sin straight, because if baptism was about sin and dealing with sin, before the baptism, when John says, I can't carry your sandals, that's not because of sin, that's because of who Jesus was. He's saying, man, you are the son of God. I can't carry your sandals. So Jesus wasn't stepping into water to wash anything away. Jesus was stepping into water to declare who he was. Yeah? You understand? If it was about sin, John could have picked up his sandals. You're a sinner. Just give me your sandals while you get into the baptismal water. You know, Pass me your towel. Hurry up. You know, like, but he's saying, I can't do that. Jesus had not yet been baptized. He goes, I, can't, I, I shouldn't be able to carry your sandals because you, you're the son of God. Do you get it? You're, he's speaking and acting around his identity, who he really is. So he was stating that Jesus was bigger and better than he was. And then it says, as Jesus was baptized, the heavens opened, the Spirit of God came upon him, and then God spoke, this is my son. So the first thing that God says, he speaks out his identity. When we baptize people here, it's about declaring their identity as children of God. You understand? It's a statement that we're making to everyone else. I am a child of God, yeah? And we come out dripping, soaking wet, but we're children of God, sons and daughters of God. And, and I love the fact that, that God, when he says, this is my son, with whom I am well pleased, Jesus had not done anything, yeah? Nothing, absolutely nothing. Because it's his identity as a son of God that as parents, grandparents, those of us that have got children, we're pleased with our children even before they do anything because they're our children. Can they frustrate us? Absolutely so. You know, like, yes, they can. Can they doubly frustrate us? Oh, absolutely. Do I have to leave house sometimes and leave my kids with Mel? Yes. But I still can look at them and say, these are my sons with whom I'm well pleased. That is their identity. That's where their value comes from for a family environment. So for you and I as children of God, it's the fact that we've stepped in to a family of God. Yeah. 
This is our identity as sons of God. And so when he looks to us, it's like looking at Jesus and he goes, here's my son, here's my daughter, with you I am well pleased. That's our, our identity. So for those weeks that we have, yeah, that we've struggled and we've done something stupid, anyone ever done anything stupid? Who did something stupid this week? Just really, come on, said something stupid, thought something that, uh, Jesus wouldn't have thought like that. Yeah? God still says, this is my son and daughter. With you I am well pleased because that is your identity, not the stuff that you do. I love the fact that you go to Matthew 4 and you can read it in your own time, but verses 1 to 11, but this is where we see the devil, the, the enemy, tempts Jesus three times. And he asks a really simple question, if you are the Son of God, do this. If you are the Son of God, why don't you do this? From the very beginning, yeah, the enemy is testing and challenging Jesus' identity. Jesus gets baptised, God goes, that's my son. Yeah, he's wearing a big badge that says, Jesus, son of God. And the enemy comes along and goes, if you're the son of God, because everything the enemy wants to do for you and I, every struggle, trial or tribulation that he's a part of in our life is about separating us from our father. Yeah, And we learnt this morning through communion that nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from his love but our own decision. So what the enemy wants to do is separate us so that we don't see ourselves as we truly are, sons and daughters of God. You know, when you and I get baptised, the Bible says in Romans 6, 4, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We've got a brand new identity, yeah? Colossians 2, verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When we were baptised, we're... We are telling the world that we're now brand new. We are brand spanking new. When Christ died and was resurrected, the scriptures say that we were in him and with him. In him and with him because he put to death our sins. In baptism, we choose right to be buried with him. Yeah? When we come out of the water, we come out of new life because we're now in him. Confusing anyone? We get, buried, we get buried with him, but when we resurrect, our new life is now found in him. Now, that is the miraculous work of the cross. When we align ourselves with that, we die with him, but when we rise, we don't rise just with him, we rise in him. Our old self is now dead and buried, and when we rise from the water, we're new. We, we have a new life in and with Jesus. And we've got a new life. We have to see ourselves brand new. So like Jesus' baptism, our baptism is about establishing this new identity as sons and daughters of God. We have to understand that, you know. I'll make a comment later. We are not sinners saved by grace. Yeah, for all of those people out there that say you're a sinner saved by grace, do me a favour, tell them it's from me, I'm okay with this. Open your hand and slap. Yeah, we were sinners saved by grace. We were. That's why we were buried with him, because we weren't yet in him. We were sinners saved by grace, but now 
We're no longer sinners saved by grace. Now we're children of God. Yeah? We are now in him. See, somewhere, somehow, we all said yes to Jesus. Whether we were born in a, in a Christian family, whether you, you came to faith, whether you never knew God and then you had this miraculous conversion, somewhere you said yes to Jesus. Somewhere you said, you know what, I think this bloke's the real deal and so I'm going to make him the Lord of my life. Somewhere within us, we have settled with that, yeah, whether you know it or not. So after acknowledging his death and resurrection, we're saved. And the Bible says this about us now, with our new identity. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Galatians 2.20 I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Yeah? The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Colossians 3, 9 to 10, Do not lie to each other since you've taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. In the image of its creator. So you and I, we're alive in him, we're a new creation, Christ lives in us and we live in him. I reckon that's pretty good. I reckon that's worth celebrating. Nowhere does it say that we're still sinners saved by grace. We're adopted into his family, sons and daughters of God, seated in heavenly places, citizens of heaven. Yeah? You've got to understand, as a sinner, cannot enter heaven. You're a citizen of heaven now, the Bible says. It says that we're, King James, we're sojourners in this place. We're just passing through here. Our citizenship is aligned in heaven. You cannot be a sinner and a citizen of heaven. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. How can you and I, if we are sinners saved by grace, how can we bear the fruits of the Spirit? A bad tree can't. It just can't. Theologically impossible. We're sons and daughters of God. Think of this. Who's the prince that just got married to Meghan Markle and because of that marriage they ruined the show Suits Forever? Yeah, Harry. Like, how dare they? That was such a good show. And then she had to leave and then it's no more. Like, fair income. But love had its way. So think of, think of, of Prince Harry, yeah? Prince Harry, imagine if he thought he was a street bum, a homeless person. Imagine if he thought he was homeless and so he lived on the street. Thought, yeah? And so he lived on the street while all the while he's actually a prince that's entitled to everything the kingdom has, yeah? You know what's really sad about that picture? The fact that it's, that would never happen to the royal family? That Christians every single day all around the world, yeah, are princes, kings, priests, citizens of heaven with a whole kingdom that's open for us, yet we live like homeless people, paupers, sinners saved by grace. For me, that is the most disappointing thing in all of Christendom, that we haven't yet grabbed hold of who we are and walked into the kingdom, the castle that's ours, and everything that's in it is for us because the king said so. 
Yeah. Think about that for a minute. Because the king said so. That is all for us. So we need to get this truth in our spirit every day. We need to know our true identity. I think some of the issue lies that for many believers, they don't know the difference between being a sinner and sinning. You know, a, a sinner is not somebody who sins. We all, as sons and daughters of God, still have the propensity to sin, to do something that is outside of his will, yeah? But being a sinner is because you have sin in your nature, your old nature, yeah? That's what makes you a sinner. So while you have an old nature and you're doing stuff in your own will, you are a sinner. But the whole thing about the cross and what Christ did on that, when we accept him and say yes to him, and then we're buried with him, and then for those of us that have been baptised, we come out in him because we now live in him, we have a new nature. We no longer have a sinful nature, so we can no longer be a sinner. But we still have the propensity to do our own stuff. Yeah. But now we've got a new nature. Can you see the difference? Do you understand the difference? Because if you don't understand the difference, when life comes at you and you start doing wrong things, you blame it on wrong stuff. We need to know who we are in God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 again, but the NLT, it says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The sinful nature is gone. It's gone. See you later. Farewell. Adios. Ciao. Bye. I FedExed it to the other side of the globe. A new life has become. So we know that Jesus gets rid of our old nature. He gives us a new one. And our new nature does not and cannot produce what the old nature produced. It can't. It can't. It can't. It can't. It can't. Impossible. I've got a really bad analogy that popped into my head. If I've got a rose bush that's producing red roses and I decide to dig it up and I'm going to throw it over there, now I'm planting a new rose bush and it's, and it's producing pink roses, it can't produce red roses. It was never made to produce red roses. It was, it was made to produce pink. So unless I graft it or do something really technically marvellous that I can't do because I'm not a green thumb and anyone that wants to practice in my home, their gardening can come, that will only ever produce pink roses. That's its identity. Why we think we can still live like we used to live is impossible. It's been thrown out. The old nature's gone. We are now sons and daughters of God. We are his workmanship. We're a new creation. I guess the struggle for all of us, even when we start to grab hold of that truth, is when our behaviour doesn't align to who we are, we can struggle to believe who we are. Yeah? When, we, you know, when our behaviour doesn't align with who we are, we then begin to struggle with who we are. You know, if you're caught in drinking or you're... You have bouts of anger or anxiety, depression, pornography, drugs, jealousy. It's really hard to grab hold of the truth that you're a son and daughter of God when you still have these things 
that you're wrestling through, yeah? But those things are not who you are. You've got to hear me. Those things are not who you are. I know that I've spoken, people have spoken to me, people have spoken over your life, and they'll say things like, you are like Jesus. And you go, thank you. But deep down inside, you're thinking, oh, you've got no idea the week that I just had. The guy that I just gave the bird to when he drove past me, you know, the car tie that I punctured with a pocket knife. I don't know one here. I, I, I don't do that anymore. Um, you know, you struggle with who you are because of what's happening, yeah? But that's not who you are. God's word tells us that we are in God and he is in us. John 15.4, remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I love that because we're in him and he's in us. Colossians 3, 1 to 3, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Man, we are in there. You ever feeling claustrophobic? That's why you're trapped inside of him. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. You and I are in Christ. So the whole thing of our identity depends on who we're in. It depends on who we're in. So repeat after me. It depends who we're in. It depends who we're in. So let's go a little bit deeper. I love this. So if we're in Christ, most people have seen this example. So I'm just for those that haven't seen it, I'm just going to do it again. So I'll pick on people that won't get offended. So if you can come up for a minute, Ryan. Well, we just lost lights. That's okay. Let there be light. <laughs> <laughs> Lyndon? And, and you, oh, Mel, Mel, because otherwise I'm not politically correct. Come on, we've got to have a female involved. Come on, come on, Lyndon. So most of you have seen this. Some of you haven't, yeah? So we're just going to go the Father, because of height, the Son, and the Holy oh, wow. Spirit, okay? We're going to do it that way. Now, the, I want you guys to hold hands for a minute. Hold hands while I'm in here. Yeah, just hold hands. Now, the Scripture says that I'm in them. Come a bit closer because I... I I'm a bit touchy-feely. Now, wherever I go, if they're, they're united, they, they're never going to let go of their hands because it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's the Trinity. The, the Son's pushing me a little bit. I'm obviously doing something I'm not supposed to. But the point is that no matter where I go, yeah, I am in them. I'm always in them. Everything that I go through, they experience with me. Yeah. But I want Thank you very much. Can we put our hands together? Please let me out. I was feeling claustrophobic. But in the same way, I need a tissue, not because my nose is running, but for my next example. So let's get this tissue. It's like a magic trick. You can see it's just a normal tissue that I've folded it in half. Yet yeah. I've closed my Bible. My tissue is in the Bible. Now, what happens to this tissue when I mail my Bible to Tasmania? 
That's right. The tissue, can you believe it? Because the tissue's in the Bible, we are in God, yeah? If this Bible goes to Tassie, the tissue goes to Tassie. Now, if I was to do something really ridiculous and pour water over my Bible, I dare not do that. But if I was to pour water over my Bible, what happens to the tissue? It gets wet, yeah? Can you see the revelation that's coming? When we do that, whatever happens to the Bible becomes the experience of the tissue. So if, you, if we are inside God... If, yeah, if we are inside the, the Trinity, whatever they experience, we experience. Wherever they go, we go. Wherever they live, we live. Whatever I do to this, the tissue is going to have the same, exactly the same experience. The reality is the tissue is probably protected by the Bible in the same way that we're protected by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But whatever they do, wherever they go, whatever they experience, we experience because we are in them. That's our identity. That's what determines our value. That's how when you've had a really bad week and you're trying to weigh it all up and what's going on, you've got to stop and focus and think, hold on, who am I in? What am I going to allow to affect me? Because if I'm in there then I'm protected, yeah? Is God holy? So if we live in holiness, what do we experience? We only have peace because we live and are in the God of peace. We only have joy because we live and are in the Trinity and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Yeah, yeah. We're redeemed uh, because we are in the one who redeems. This is our identity. We're wise, not because any of us are geniuses, though some of you probably are, but we're wise because we are in wisdom itself. Yeah? We're righteous not because we act the right way, but because we are in righteousness himself. We are in the Trinity. We are in the Godhead. And where they go, what they experience, who they are, is what we experience, who we are. That's our true identity. So when the enemy's having a go at us because we've said the wrong thing, did the wrong thing, acted the wrong way, when the enemy attacks you in your thinking, yeah, whether it's in your thoughts or through somebody else, you need to be able to pull yourself away and go, hold on a minute. I am in Christ. I am a new creation. I am these things because I'm in them. You know, once we grab hold of who we are, our true identity is as his children that we're dearly loved, that that we are his in this world, that we're seated in heavenly places, that our citizenship is in heaven, that we work you know, from God, not for God. Yeah? yeah? You, you understand the difference? Yeah. That, our, that, that our fight or our victory, we, we don't fight for victory, we actually fight from victory. You know, the battle, we, I often say, you know, we, we don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers that are in high and dark places. But our battle, we already start from victory. We're not fighting to win. 
we're just fighting to kick the enemy in the guts and go, ha ha. You know, we're fighting from victory. And when we work for the Lord, we don't work for love, we work from love. Yeah. And we're in Him. Our actions change because they match our identity when we know what our true identity is. You know, our Father's not sin conscious when it comes to you and I, He's righteous conscious, righteous focused. We are in righteousness, we are in Jesus. He dealt with the issue of sin once and, once and for all. I love the fact that when we realise our true identity, when we realise that, that he is in us but we are in him, our prayer life changes. So it doesn't be, we always talk about creating a discipline for prayer because we're still living on this earth in these fallen vessels, yeah? So we have to create something that gets us into some momentum, yeah? The reality is, though, when we realise our true identity, prayer is no longer a discipline. Because if I am in the Trinity, wherever I go, they're there. When I go to the toilet for number twos, they're there. Use the quiet to talk to them. They're there. They're hanging out. If you've got a small toilet, they're all squashed in there, but they're there. They're not going to wait outside the door and say, oh, but listen, while you're in there, we're just going to throw you out and uh, let us just come back in when you don't know. We are in him in everything that we do, yeah? So in the same way that the tissue, we go everywhere that the Trinity, that God goes, yeah? We go everywhere and he goes everywhere we go. I think that is brilliant. And that's why, for me, it makes sense of what Smith Wigglesworth said years ago. It's a, it's a quote that you would have heard before, but he, Smith Wigglesworth said, I never pray longer than five minutes, but I never go five minutes without praying. Yeah? I never pray longer than five minutes, but I never go longer than five minutes without praying because everywhere he goes, he's in the Trinity. That's his identity as a son of God. We don't have to work to have communion with God. We just open our mouths and chat and we are in communion. Yeah? yeah. You know, we receive the Holy Spirit as our comforter and guide. The Holy Spirit's job is not to help us or modify us or can change our behavior. The, that's Old Testament, that's law. The Holy Spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit to help us step into all we are in Him. Yeah? yeah. To lead us into Him. So we know how He thinks. You know, I love the way that Peter McHugh has said here before that, you know, if you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. You squeeze an apple, you get apple juice. And when you squeeze Jesus, if we are in him and he is in us, when we get squeezed by life, what should come out of us is Jesus' juice, yeah? That's what should come out of us. Let's be real. At times, it's not Jesus' juice. In fact, there are probably sometimes that Jesus' juice goes, ah, at what just came out, you know. But it's a process. It's a journey. We're all on a journey. We don't come to the Lord and now we're perfect. We're being transformed into the likeness of Jesus with ever-increasing glory. So every day we become more like him. Every day that life squeezes, there's less of what used to be and more of him. Yeah? Our true identity allows us to forgive instead of taking offence. Our true identity 
allows us to be gentle instead of being right. And our true identity always finds a way to repair a relationship instead of breaking one. You know, someone who's ready to break relationships is not living as a son or daughter of God. Hear me. Someone who's ready to break relationships is not living as a son and daughter of God. They're living outside of their sonship because nothing matters more to God than relationship with his children and the relationship with his children's children. By this they'll know, you're my disciples, when you have love for one another, yeah? You know, people who have been adopted don't call themselves orphans. Yeah? They're now in a family. They now take on the family name. They grow in the family culture. It's the same for us. Yeah? Those of us that were saved, we were sinners, whether it was because of our actions or just simply because we were separated from God and didn't know him. We were sinners and we were saved by grace, but now we're no longer sinners. Now I've been adopted into a family. I take the family's name. Andrew Battistella, God, you know? You could put Jesus there if you like. You can put it before the Battistella, before the Morgan, you know, before the Kellogg. John God Kellogg, he's taking on the family name. Yeah, we take on the family name. We need to know that when we're going through stuff. You know, the enemy does not want you to know your true identity because when you know your true identity, you discover your true worth. When you know your true worth... When life comes at you, you can stop and you can realign even in the midst of the worst, worst tribulation. Yeah? Even in the midst of the worst tribulation. Why don't we stand? (coughs) There's a movie that Mel and I were watching last night. Um, and there's a part that I really appreciate. It's just a movie. This may never happen in real life, but I actually think, I, I have a personal belief in most movies, whether they're a horror movie that I can't watch because I get scared, um, whether it's something science fiction, something looking into the future or some drama, I think that most movies have an element of truth, you know? It seems to be a way that they can numb us before reality hits. But anyway, this was a Christian movie that was released by Pure Flix. And um, in it, in it the, there's a pastor, a pastor and his wife. He's just become the pastor, taken over for his dad. And uh, they've got two sons, and one of the sons in a car accident. And the car accident leaves him brain dead, still alive, heart beating, brain dead. Re- and I, I can't imagine what it would be like, yeah? But as I'm watching it, I'm just thinking, wow, there's an element of truth in the story that they're playing out. And I haven't seen the whole movie yet because it's quite emotional. You know, I couldn't do it in one sitting. But the wife, after a week, there's no change in the sun. They're still believing for a miracle. And the wife's having this conversation with the husband, the pastors of this church. And um, she says, I don't always understand God's ways. She goes, but I know this. I know that we are children of God. I know my son's a son of God and I believe his death, his death, is to help someone else. I believe that what, what he's going through right now, the decision we need to make, is that his death can give life. And there was this faith for her in knowing that she was a daughter of God, that he had a bigger plan. Yeah, The husband, where we're at in the movie, the husband's saying, I, 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 can't, I can't see it. Why would he take my son? 
I don't want to get into the theology of all that. But the fact that this woman in this movie was able to say, no, no, I know I am a child of God. I know my father, he's always good. And he's going to make good from this situation, yeah? We need to know our identity in the worst trials and the worst tribulations, in the worst moments. Because our theme for this year is seeing how God sees. And unless we can see yeah, how Father sees, we will never fully understand what the next step is on our journey when we're going through stuff. Yeah? We need to grab hold of our true identity, sons and daughters of God, that we are in the Godhead. In them, wherever they go, we go. Whatever they experience, we experience. And wherever we go, they come with us. I want to finish with this scripture. 1 John 4.17 says, And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. As we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus in this world. And the King James puts it this way, as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we. So can I ask everyone, just for a moment, just close your eyes for a moment. Maybe, Ross, if we could just have a couple of the musos, just some, some background, yeah? I don't know where everyone's at when it comes to grabbing hold of your identity, but sometimes I feel as though it needs to shift. There's a reality that he wants us to step into sonship. There's a reality that he wants some of us to say yes to him and to walk with him. And maybe some of us have walked away from that initial encounter with God. Maybe some of us have been lukewarm, for lack of a better word, over the last few years. Who knows? I don't know where we're all at. I just know there are times that I have to realign. And so I'm going to pose two questions this morning for everyone that's here. And that's why I've asked you to to close your eyes so that no one else is worried about who's looking or who thinks what. This is, I want everyone in the house to know that this is family and this is a safe place, yeah? This is family and this is a safe place. So first... If you know you need to get your life right with Jesus, if you know you need to align yourself with him, that you need to grab hold of your true identity as a son of God, maybe that slipped through your hands in the past, then I want to, I want to make and create an opportunity for you to say, hey, hey, Lord, I'm here. Hey, Lord, this is my time. Hey, hey, Jesus, I need to walk and talk with you. So if that's you... I just want you to show your hands. If you know you need to say yes to Jesus and realign yourself with him, can you just raise your hand if that's you? Praise God for that. Thank you. Thank you. And I also, I want to create space. If you know that though you've walked with the Lord, you know you're a child of God, but there are just some times where the power of God working through you makes no sense because you don't think you're worthy or you can see why other people do particular things and you don't because they're better than you. Somewhere in all of those thoughts, your identity has been lost. And I, I think that we need to realign our identity with the Lord. If you need to realign your identity with Him as a child of God, in Him, that wherever He goes, you go. Wherever you go, He goes. If that's you, can you just raise your hand if you need to do that? So we're going to pray a couple of prayers. Is, is that all right? And church, I'm just going to ask that everyone in the house prays these prayers.
because we're family, yeah? We sit, we do homework with our kids, we help them with their assignments and so we're going to help each other to go on this journey with the Lord. And so first I'm just going to pray a prayer for those that need to, to ask Jesus to come back into their life in such a way, yeah, that He's now Lord. And then we're just going to pray that our, the way that we see ourselves is the way that Father God sees us. So repeat after me if that's all right. Father God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you that he died on a cross for us. And no longer am I a sinner, but I am now a child of the Most High God. I invite you to come into my life. I invite you to speak into areas. I invite you to lead me. I invite you to correct me. And I look forward to your love for me. Thank you that I can be called your child. Amen. And let's pray the next one. Amen. Let's pray for, the, for those of us that just need to get our identity right. Lord God, I am your son. You are, oh, and for the ladies, I am your daughter. <laughs> Thank you that you're the air I breathe. Thank you that you're all I need. Thank you that you're my everything. Our prayer is from today on that we would see ourselves as you see us. Your child seated in heavenly places. Princess and princesses <laughs> with access to heaven, with access to your power and with access to your love. May we be Jesus to somebody who needs him. May that stick in my heart and mind forevermore. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Can we just put our hands together for a moment, please? <laughs>